get in that mic real deep. Copy, copy. A little, a copy, little closer. Copy. Hello, hello. Like hello, eat hello. it. I'm eat it. It's in my mouth. They. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to put this in my mouth. <laughs> I also hear that a lot. Oh my god! I need more money. You were underpaid for this. Yeah, ducks. Let's just go with it, and if it doesn't record, fuck it. We wing this anyway. All right. Hey, folks, thanks for joining it us is. again. This is Elliot here with the Poor Pearls Almanac. I'm here with Andy. Say hi, Andy. You're going to have to record that again because I said, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One, two, one, two. Hey, folks, thanks for joining us again. This is Elliot here with the Poor Pearls Almanac. I'm here with Andy. Say hi, Andy. How you doing? Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcast. And if you find us on Patreon, and if you'd like to help us cover the cost of hosting this podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. We don't offer any extras to the folks for donating. That seems like it goes against the leftist mentality. Knowledge is for everyone. But we uh, are making some stickers soon, so we hope to get you uh, some of that content. And if you've donated before, we'll get those out to you as soon as those are ready to go. And while... We do enjoy making this content. There's about 20 of hours of work that goes into each episode. So any support that we can get to offset the actual cost, uh, we fully and wholeheartedly appreciate because podcasting ain't cheap. Additionally, if you are using iTunes, please give us a review so folks find the podcast and hopefully join us on our journey. We do see those reviews. Um, it's pretty awesome to see that we have a bunch of positive reviews, so... Keep bringing them. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, lastly, we're on Instagram and Facebook. If you don't, if you want to follow, <laughs> if you don't want to follow us over there, no, yeah, you don't. Definitely follow us over there. We post a lot of histo uh, historical content for ideas that we talk about on the podcast. So if you like the podcast, you'll love the gram and the book. We also make memes, like every edgy sixteen-year-old kid does. So watch out for those. Coming in hot. And if you find. Uh, if this is your first episode, we highly, highly recommend going back to the first episode uh, that we did and catching up since each episode springs forward from the previous content. However, this episode doesn't fit into that really, so don't really pay attention to the last part. Just pay attention to everything else and follow us on Patreon and you'll get some sweet stickers. All right. So part of why we are preppers, or if you're curious about prepping and ended up here, is because we tend to be folks that think in terms of statistical probabilities. And what I mean by that is, statistically speaking, you want to be prepared for a, a tornado, say, if you live in the Midwest, and uh, more than if you live in the Northeast. It's just statistically more likely to happen, uh, so you prepare for it. The same for earthquakes in fault line regions and snowstorms in the Northeast. Each of these requires specific types of prepping, and while there's overlap, each comes with its unique challenges. So on a bigger scale, there are other statistical probabilities to consider, which we as preppers take seriously. Things like economics, we can predict fairly consistently. A recession once every 10 to 15 years occurs. On a larger scale, we can look at nations. The average one exists for about 158 years, and there are clear markers for nearly every country that has collapsed. We're not going to cover these, but my point is that we as preppers try to watch things around us go down as objectively as possible. And I don't know if you know this or not, but 2020 sucks. And despite all the shitty things that have happened so far this year, we haven't even gotten to the bad part of the year yet. 
the election. So as we record this, sitting on my patio in my backyard, having chased off some wild turkeys trying to get a free meal, we don't even know if we'll release this. It's August 30th, and we're less than 90 days from the election. And if you're listening this far and continue to listen, I know what you're thinking. Another fucking hot take on the election. I know, opinions are like assholes, or something like that. I think we're going to cover it a little bit differently. Our focus isn't on what we want or don't want to happen in the election. That doesn't really do anything good for us or for you. We want to talk about the five most likely inevitable outcomes of the election, or even if it should happen, and how those play out. Not that specific results will end with specific prepping needs, but I think it's useful in being realistic about what we should be expecting to deal with in November or January. Content warning, the end game of these theoretical results isn't ideal for, like, literally anyone. So, let's dive in. So, the first one, things kind of stay the same. Trump wins, and he feels slightly emboldened, but maybe a little bit more pragmatic that he doesn't have another election, hopefully, to come up after. So, let's say he wins the swing states, and, you know the protests continue or start to subside because there's no election coming up and the idea of pushing Joe Biden further to the left or whatever it is that a lot of people want to do should he win is no longer an option and the left has to regroup and figure out what it wants to do you know the idea of Joe of uh, Bernie Sanders running again I think is not an option and the question really is is there anyone to kind of fill that void and I think right now the answer is no so th- there's a lot of soul searching that has to happen on the left in terms of how it gets itself involved with bougie politics, uh, which is something that I think for a lot of us is not that we're against the idea, but we've never really had a voice until Bernie showed up. And chances are, if you're listening to this, Bernie was to the right of you and he's to the right of a lot of us. But that's the closest we've ever had. So we threw our weight behind it and hoped maybe this didn't have to turn into a revolution so i think that really opens up some opportunities for the left in a lot of different ways and then we have to look at how that affects how donald trump handles the presidency should he in theory not be planning to run again right i think so um if he does win again uh, i could see him definitely getting emboldened again this is speculation my political leanings i like to think of myself as a, a centrist but i don't really know how to articulate my political leanings at this time because I don't feel like this is the political climate to, you know, stick to your guns and your, you know... I mean, or literally stick to your guns. No, always stick to your guns, but I mean your political guns, the ones that you debate with people over Facebook for and and keyboard warrior and take your stance on and make sure people understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to use this episode to do that. I'm just trying to look at this objectively as outcomes for what's going to happen in the election uh, upcoming in November. Yeah, so, you know, what it really comes down to is if Trump were to win in our scenario number one, and it's not a question of whether or not there were legitimate results, um, we don't see any examples of him uh, manipulating the election by where polling centers are located or using intimidation or anything like that. Let's assume that doesn't happen or... Yeah, let's just assume it doesn't happen, just for simplicity's sake. And he wins. What does he do? Things continue on for the most part, I think. Um, Not that things are good by any means. I don't think anyone's agreeing for that. Um, 
But really, at the end of the day, while he may be making his slow march towards further authoritarianism, I don't think anyone's afraid that if he wins the next week, he's going to drop a Nazi swastika flag down the front of the White House. Right. I don't think that's... Yeah, I don't... I don't. I mean, again, it's not an ideal situation, but it's more of same old, same old, and same old sucks, but you know what it is. But that's always been the same thing with all elections. It's always the lesser of two evils, and people always... You know, people have said that a lot about the past couple elections, but that's always seems to be the case where you pick... It's better to pick the devil you know over the devil you don't. Yeah, and in some ways, that's what we see with the Donald Trump election uh, or uh, victory is that we get what we know. Um, there's no questioning whether or not he was elected. And how does that play out in terms of how the left uh, tries to find its own identity? And if we see the Democratic Party try to continue to swing further to the right to try to grab more moderate votes, despite the fact that Joe Biden seems to be doing everything he can to both sway those votes and push them away. Uh, we were just talking about his gun reform plan, which reflects very heavily of what we have in Massachusetts, and it's not great. And I'm, I'm not sure how he thinks that's going to win Republican votes. And while it may further bolster the liberal support of him, those are spineless people anyway. They're going to vote for him anyway. That doesn't change anything. Um, and the left supported him but i think they're gonna not that the heart capital l left is a huge portion of the voting block but i think a lot of people that would have said yeah i'll vote for him because he's harm reduction um those people are gonna say yeah harm reduction but i'm also not giving up my guns and just looking again this is august 30th uh there have been two shootings in the last three days at protests uh, across the country i don't see the left being ready to give up their guns the gun debate has been a hot topic for past elections. Uh, Biden's VP, Kamala Harris, has made her statement fairly clear on her take on firearms. And it's locking a, up a, black people. Right. It's a tough It's tough to get behind. As a person who's historically voted Democrat, it's hard to get behind that. So, again, this election comes down to the lesser of two evils, in my opinion. And it puts you between a rock and a hard place, which is a rock two and a rock. E- two evils, yeah. <laughs> like one's like I don't I don't remember Ignatius, and the other ones, what's the other one? metamorphic? Is that one of the ones? Igneous. Igneous. Igneous, and one is metamorphic. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, I got or one. Conglomerate, even. If you want to get into. I never got into rocks. I it was love just rocks. never my thing. I'm all about the rock, metal. I'm yeah. Sp- specifically metal. <laughs> I thought you meant like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He'd be a great candidate for president. I don't know. I've seen some stuff he's done. I mean, his smile alone, I would just... I mean, mean, people would fear us, but for different reasons. Would you want to get rock-bottomed over, you know, diplomatic whatever? Yeah, but he's like one of those guys that just... He thinks that because I've done it, everyone can, and like statistically, that that's impossible. Also, this is not one of the scenarios that we were going to go over. No. (laughs) Where Dwayne The Rock Johnson shows up November 1st and says, you know what? My name's on all the ballots. Y'all didn't even know. You can write them in. Yeah. Kanye the the Rock Dwanson. I don't know. Dwayne the Rock Johnson? <laughs> Did you, <laughs> you forgot the Rock's real name? No, I was going to do a Con- Kanye West Rock conglomeration. Dwayne Yeah. Dwayne Ye. Dwayne Ye the Rock Westson. Let's hang that up. Yeah. 
Uh, so that's kind of the first situation, and that's kind of straightforward. Again, it's just same old shit. If you are interested in why Kamala Harris is an awful candidate, and because everyone knows Joe Biden at this point, and well, actually, you can check in the same place as well. The worst year ever uh, is a really great resource. They went, uh, they did a deep dive on every candidate that was running for the Democratic Party uh, back in January or so. So I really recommend checking it out. It talks about her awful history of locking up uh, young black men in particular, as well as um, her awful position on things like guns and definitely a law and order ticket. Yeah, yeah. Everyone said no more cops, and Joe Biden was like, "I heard the word cops," so he went and got a cop. So, anyways, um, the second scenario is that uh, there's a contested Trump win, right? And I think everyone's kind of expecting something around this line. It's a contested Trump or a contested Biden win. It's going to be contested either way. Yeah, no one's going to believe the results. We all know that. And uh, the second the results are in question, the person in power has an advantage. So it really doesn't matter whether or not it's a contested Trump or Biden win because Trump is the one that's in office. It's much easier to say things are wrong and stay in stasis than to say things are wrong and try to say, well, I won even though you contest the results and make make everyone move out. Like, it, it just doesn't work that way. So it, the idea of a contested situation is really problematic, and I think this is the worst-case scenario, despite it being the most obvious, um, just because Trump will be at a fork in the road where he either has to accept that he's going to lose and does whatever he has to do, or he decides that the results are illegitimate, and the only way to do that and to not have a huge challenge to it, and I mean, I guess theoretically it could drag through the courts forever. Either way, he wins because he's not walking out. But chances are he's going to have to concentrate his power. There's just no way around it. Like, if he's... If he doesn't want to walk out of the White House and he has all these other issues going on in terms of what's going on in New York, them going into his financial records and his involvement with things like the mafia, um, what's happened with Russia. Uh, I mean, you name it. What hasn't he been involved with that he's worried about that as his president he can get away with? And even then he really shouldn't be. But clearly our checks and balances is broken. Um, so really what this points to is that if we get to a point where the results are contested, He's just going to say, well, this is where we are right now, so we're just going to stay right here until something changes. And he's just not going to leave. And um, that that's a frightening position because then, again, he's put us at a point where we need to make he needs to make a decision whether or not he's going to go full fash or he's going to step away. And I've never, ever, Donald Trump is like the most petty person on earth who refuses to be wrong. Wasn't there like some journal journalist he like sent something to like once a year for like thirty years because they said something bad about him? Probably. Um, he's got some pretty childish behavior. I don't see him necessarily abdicating the throne. Um, but I could see him realistically, you know, throwing whatever temper tantrum he does and not making the transition easy. Uh, regardless if he has any ammo to say that the election didn't go his way or not. It's a scary situation in the sense that really democracy is in his fingertips and how he handles this kind of a situation because we've seen him barrel through the courts and barrel through the Senate. And honestly, we were talking about it earlier. I really see right now, again, August 30th, 
there's been no second stimulus package. My gut tells me that Mitch McConnell is dragging his feet on it so that Donald Trump can write an executive order to to forward a stimulus package through that goes in, you know, maybe early October. So it hits people's bank accounts in late October, early November, just as the election is rolling around. So I think he's got something like that planned up his sleeve. And, you know, that's and again, it, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump is a couple hundred thousand votes away from winning or anything like that. But he's using his political tools that are not supposed to be uh, partisan in a partisan way. And even saying partisan seems wrong because it's not a partisan way. It's a selfish way. Uh, it's not anything about the Republican Party. Uh, it's about Donald Trump. Yeah, his ego has definitely made itself known uh, throughout his presidency and the election leading up to it in 2016. And side note, for some reason, all of our chickens and ducks are gathering around us. And they're just like, I don't know, it's a little awkward. I feel like I'm being watched. I mean, birds are fake, right? <laughs> They're created by the <laughs> government, so it totally makes sense. I mean, that would explain why I have so many birds. I learned it on a meme, so it's got to be true. Memes are facts. You don't have to cite them, source them, anything. So if you saw it on the internet, it's true. Right. So conversely, on the other side of that contested election... Um, Not the contested birds aren't real? The, I don't want to contest that. I've eaten so many, I, I feel like they taste pretty real to me. Um, we have the, we have Joe Biden winning the election by say a landslide, for lack of a better word. Um, he wins the election hands down, and I feel like there's no way there'd be, uh, again, a peaceful transition. I I feel like there would be some sort of scorched earth tactic with Donald Trump leaving the office um, after the election in November if Joe Biden wins. Yeah, I think, I think. Uh, Donald Trump is so vindictive that that makes total sense. In reality, Donald Trump will contest the election results, even if it is a total blowout. And it'll probably, dr I, I honestly think, even if somehow Joe Biden pulls this off, we will make it to January and everyone will be saying, is he actually going to leave? Right. How effective do you think he'll be in office? And what will he do to make it impossible for Joe Biden to do anything? Right. And, you know, and then we were talking, you know, there's a lot of people on the left, the center, even the right, that are saying we just need to make it past uh, the Donald Trump era. And there's a really big problem with that. It's that Donald Trump didn't come out of nowhere. He He's the product of 50 years of Reaganomics failing. And he's a product of people feeling that their voices are not being heard. He's a, He's a product of our culture. I mean, it, there's nothing more American than Donald Trump. And I hate to say that, but it, it's it's true. Like he you know, we were talking earlier about like the most American thing on Earth is like the idea of finding a technicality to get to technically not break the law or to technically not do what people don't want you to do. America is like that kid that sticks his finger in front of your face and says, I'm not touching you. Like, technically, yeah, you're not touching me, but you're you're doing everything you want to do that you know is trying to annoy me. And that that is America. Um, you think about, like, we have the face mask requirement. And you see the people that are like, well, I can't breathe, so I'm going to cut ventilators in my face mask. But I'm technically wearing a face mask. And you're like, well, that that's not the fucking point, you idiot. And, you know, for me personally, as an accountant, uh, this is something that I deal with all the time because of the fact that our 
tax code and our accounting code, GAP, if you're familiar with it, is a very technical-based system. So as long as you technically follow the law, you are not breaking the law. In Europe, they don't have GAP, and their system is designed around the intent of the law, which I think is really useful. And like when I heard it, I was like, holy shit. It's a big shit. distinction for yeah. sure. Yeah. So like if you are doing something and it's like doesn't break the law on paper, like, well, you didn't do this one specific thing, they can say, hey, you were trying to get around that specific thing, and we know that. And we can prove that because this doesn't make sense otherwise. Right. And that's like, that is America in a nutshell, is technically I didn't break the law. Right. Everything in this country is based on precedent. So if it hasn't been done before, whether it's good or bad, if it's not explicitly spelled out, which Donald Trump has done during his presidency and leading up to it, he didn't technically break the rules. He just didn't follow them to, yeah. the, to the capital T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's the Donald Trump experience in a nutshell. Right. And analogies aside from Donald Trump, if Biden does win the election and he gets the presidency, what moves is he going to make that's going to, I guess, pro- uh, progress anything, any any agenda? <laughs> like what's his agenda? What's he going to what's he going to move forward? Is he just going to appease the left? Is he going to try to dismantle what Donald Trump has done? I don't know what his goals or aims are, and I don't really know what his approach would be if he does secure the presidency for 2020. Yeah, and I don't think he really has thought that far ahead at this point. He wants to bring normalcy back to America, but that ignores the fact that the reason why we're here is because of what normalcy was. And I think that's being lost. And chances are, if you're on the left, you get that. And that's why you're where you are is because you're thinking, well, yeah, free trade destroyed manufacturing sector of the entire economy. The idea of letting capitalists dictate the terms of our ability to survive is why we're here where we are, because they could send labor to or work to Mexico for whatever, 25 cents an hour, and they didn't want to pay union wages so that people could afford to buy their products. And, you know, we're not going to go into the historical context of that whole scenario of why we ended up with Donald Trump. But the point is, Joe Biden is not a solution to that. He's a continuation of what led to Donald Trump. And if you do follow us on Instagram, you probably saw that we had recently posted about a particular candidate uh, that recently won in North Carolina. One of the things that we're going to see if Donald Trump loses and Joe Biden wins is that Joe Biden does represent that going back to the conditions that created Donald Trump. And those conditions that created Donald Trump created Sarah Palin. And Sarah Palin used to be the far right of the Republican Party, and then Donald Trump showed up. And for some reason, people think that we can't go any further right than Donald Trump. And what you'll probably see in all reality, and we're already beginning to see it across the country, is candidates like Madison Cawthorn down in North Carolina, who recently ran for office and um, actually won. So Madison Cawthorn, I don't want to go into too much detail about him because he's not really that important in particular, but he's just a generic white rich kid who follows Anon and is obviously a Donald Trump supporter. QAnon, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things you read all the time. And um, he's really indicative of the future of the, the Republican Party in that he's much less subtle than Donald Trump about things like white supremacy. And that's, that's really fucking frightening, personally. Like, I don't know how you feel as a black man that the idea of the Republican Party turning into that. I mean, I see no change. yeah i mean it's less subtle yes mask off yeah Um, apologetic unabashed whatever you want to call it 
and he's not the only one. Uh, I think it. I think I recently read that there. I should really should have pulled all this up before, but something like thirty uh, different people won local uh, races across the country in the last local cycle of elections that uh, believed in QAnon and all were Donald Trump supporters, very similar to this guy. Um, you know, for context, uh, Last Born in the Wilderness recently did a podcast about QAnon, and uh, they were comparing it to some very similar groups out in Japan. It was considered like one of the biggest conspiracy theorists, theory groups that was uh, became one of the most powerful ones in recent memory. And uh, I don't believe they actually won any elections. So they're, QAnon is making these other major conspiracy groups look like nothing. And th- it's all based on this idea that Donald Trump's some secret hero to get rid of pedophiles and the IMF. And like, okay, there's a lot of things we can talk about that are, like do make sense, but the whole concept together doesn't. And there's not enough beer in my fridge to discuss that. <laughs> but um, you know, the point is that Donald Trump is going to become the center of the party and there's going to be people to the right of him. And I don't think that people that think Joe Biden is a short-term solution, you know, that idea of harm reduction, harm reduction for how long? I think that's being, that last part of the sentence is being lost, is for how long? Joe Biden is why we're here. So how is bringing him back a solution? Right. I guess if Joe Biden wins the election, what's to stop Donald Trump from taking that four years to build up momentum and run again. Yeah, or his son or... Or anybody, yeah. yeah or yeah. any of these people that idolize him. You know, where? how does this play out? And I don't think Joe Biden being elected and then doing nothing, you're just buying time, maybe. And that's assuming that he gets in. And I think Donald Trump walking out of the, the White House alive is very small. Heavy stuff. So we've gone over four scenarios. Um, uh, I think we got three. Did we hit the fourth? We yeah, we kind of lumped um three and four. Or sorry, we kind of lumped two and three together because there were contested wins, one for Trump, one for Biden, and then the fourth one would be the Biden landslide victory, and he assumes office with no trouble, which is the least likely out of all of these. Lastly, our fifth scenario is there's no election. Um, last election, Yay. last election went swimmingly. Um, th- this upcoming election, who's to say it's not in jeopardy again? Or, again, since we, in the last scenario, we talked about extremes, the last election was setting the bar. So this one could swing to the opposite, or not the opposite side, but it could swing to an extreme and be, you know, more volatile than the 2016 election. I got this really creepy House of Cards vibe going on right now. The election where the main character, I don't know their names, got mm-hmm. shot. But, like, he tried to, like, use the police to kind of, no, it wasn't the police. It was, um, like, a threat of a terrorist attack to keep people away from the polls. Yeah. Like, that just, that's something that Donald Trump, I feel like, you know, you, you know when he's watching Fox because you can literally watch Fox and watch his Twitter and see him respond to things. So I feel like somebody, because he does have a lot of smarter people than him around him, was will be like, hey, you should watch this. And he'll be like, hey, I got this great idea, guys. You know how we can get out of this? You think they'll, inc- China. they'll, they'll incept him with House of Cards? How many times do you think he said China in his presidency? Uh, if you could type them together in 12-point font, you could probably cover the continent. Damn. It's a lot. It's a few. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. Who knows? I'm not of the five scenarios that we've gone over. I don't know which one's going to happen, but it's going to be uh, w- one of these five. We know somebody yeah. has to win, or nobody wins. Yeah, I guess. And personally, so when 2016 election happened, I remember when I think it was California and Bernie won, but it wasn't enough votes to make any. It was just like, that's the nail in the coffin. We already knew it was pretty much over, but it was kind of like, maybe if he pulls out this massive victory in California, he can somehow contest uh, the convention. Um, And it was Hillary. I remember turning to my wife and saying, Donald Trump has just won the election. And she kind of looked at me like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then the election happened, and I just looked at her, and she's like, how? How did this happen? And, you know, if you understand the historical context of what's been going on in this country, it makes sense. And my gut tells me, again, I'm leaning towards the contested, but Donald Trump wins, but it's contested because he's going to do a bunch of shady shit. Again, not technically breaking the law, but finding ways to use the law to his advantage. And... He will probably win even without that. But doing that is going to create so many more problems than just him having some kind of faith that he could actually pull this off, which I think he honestly can, just because of the fact that there's that very vocal 38%, and that doesn't seem like a big deal. But if those 38% show up to the vote, we don't have, what's 38 times 2, 76? Mm-hmm. 76% of people don't vote. So if 38%... show up, even 90%, then he's going to win. Like, I I don't think people really understand that. Um, And, yeah, I know the swing states are different and blah, 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 but I I, I don't see him losing. And I think he's going to make things more difficult on himself, which he tends to do, by using whatever power he can to try to leverage things his way. And he'll win, and then we end up at that crossroads, which to me is the worst-case scenario. And um, I've been freaking out about this for five, almost five years now. Mm-hmm. And I think peop- there, I'm starting to see other people start to realize that this is something that's a very real possibility. And that's not the only reason I prep, but uh, it is a big piece of... In the back of my brain, my timeline is I need to get these things done by January. And that's why. And really, it should be November because we also have like a clusterfuck of things coming up in this, the next couple months, not just the election between food shortages, labor shortages to pick food, uh, canned good shortages, canned shortages to canned, canned new canned goods. Aluminum shortages yeah. for new cans. Yeah. Um, you name it. We're, in, we're, in, we're going up Shit's Creek real quick. And that's not even talking about like the important stuff like climate change. Um This episode is kind of, this should give you a good timeline of at least how I'm thinking, you know, how you should be thinking in terms of, you know, where you are if you're not in the United States or if you don't think Trump is a big deal or if you think things are going to be okay because we've lasted this long. So Donald Trump isn't going to be the thing that breaks the camel's back or whatever. And I, I tried to remain objective during this. I'm sure my political leanings came out a bit in my words and what I chose to say. But my, my reasons for prepping personally have nothing to do with politics or the political climate of the United States. I just want to look for a more sustainable way to live my life so that when things like a pandemic happen or when elections don't go the way that you want, the things that change in your life remain those 
aspects of your life that don't change, you know, where you're getting your food and if you're safe at night and if you can stay warm and provide protection for yourself and your family. Yeah, I think that's what we all want. And between corporate interests and the state, that becomes pretty fucking hard to do. And, you know, at this point, we're reaping the seeds that those things have sowed through mass media, destroying people's ability to live, being able to work a full-time job and afford a fucking normal life. And the simple fact that with all the protests and things that have been going on, it just goes to show you whether whatever side you're on, when people don't get things their way, there tends to be violence and property destruction. And Yeah, we have to think about you know, the big picture of where we ended up here. And how we ended up here. Yeah, well, you know, how we ended up here and how all these different things, all these different dynamics have come to come home to roost. You know, whether it's climate change, refugees, because we've ignored the fact that this is a real problem um, and our borders are, you know, they, I think they said uh, this past year there are three million climate refugees and they're expecting that number to grow like, uh, and again, I don't have that number in front of me, but they're expecting to grow something stupid like 25% every year uh, for the next indefinitely uh, as places become inhabitable. And if we can't take care of ourselves and our economy can't provide a basic living standard for, I don't know, 70% of the people, uh, then it doesn't work. So, you know, we're we're in a messy situation and Donald Trump is the result of that. And Joe Biden is not the solution to that. How a really th- shitty band-aid. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting shot and then somebody being like, hey, I've got some band-aids they in my car. an actual band-aid. Yeah. And you're like, it it doesn't even reach across it <laughs> like this doesn't work um my anxiety has gone up after doing this episode i'm about to smoke a bunch of weed and chill out yeah it just made me super paranoid and it's not it's not the weed i'm not even high yet <laughs> um this election you know it's it's uncertain all elections are but again the lesser two evils the devil you know versus the devil you don't it's not very fun no and um, you know, again, a lot of people have been referring to this idea of harm reduction, um, and even uh, and I've even seen some circles of people talking to uh, referring to Lenin talking about state and revolution, and the the big argument on both sides is harm reduction is good because it helps uh, people like my my brother over here, Elliot, um, not get hunted in the streets by Nazis, uh, which is always a good thing. Um, Lenin argues that. The idea of participating in bougie elections show is an ability for us to show that elections fail, um, because even if you do elect those uh, slightly better candidates, material change doesn't usually happen to the working class, right. and people can become disenfranchised and realize that they need to, you know, arm themselves and become a true democracy in some capacity, um, where those people that are being elected are actually. Uh, represent representatives or consist cons- god damn it representatives or constituents of the working class and uh um, proles. yeah proles so right there i think we should end it because that fucking worked out great yeah so thanks for listening guys thanks for the time we'll see you again next time on poor proles almanac or you won't because we don't even know if we're going to release this so fuck us right we'll just edit it out yeah edit everything peace bye